Guys, we have a number to text now. I'm terrible at texting back, but that's not my job here. What's the text number? Yeah, text CCW to 614-482-3617 with any questions, comments, feedback, or any general love that you want to give us for the show. And we promise we'll respond. We. (laughs) He'll respond. Yo, this is Akis. And this is Taria. And you're listening to Columbus Can't Wait. Either do politics. Our politics do you. Yeah, y'all gotta let me know these facts before we get started. My bad. Read me my rights. Anything you can, anything yes. you say can and will be used against you. Facts. We, listen, we don't um We can't have publish that. what you don't say. Right. And we... <laughs> <laughs> and we <laughs> When I was growing up, my best friend, she's also my cousin, her mom, would always tell, like, if we took an ugly picture and we didn't like it, she'd be like, well, the camera only takes what it sees. And That's I always thought that was how so rude, rude as but fuck. so true. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. that's how you look. Like, <laughs> I know, because the camera be lying on me. I'd be like, which I don't look like hey, that. Right. That's, that's, that's not, like, I look way better me. in real life than I do on yeah. camera. Like, I literally, and I sound way better. So anybody listening to this, this ain't what I sound like. Nah, I sound Same. Better, like, I sound better on here than I oh, do. Really? I don't. I, I don't like how I sound. I sound crazy recorded. Do you? I think so. Yeah. I feel like everybody. I was reading something about the science of this. Like everybody thinks because you can't hear what you actually sound like. Right. Like it doesn't. Just like you can't see what your, you look like. First of all, what are you saying right now? Because the camera be lying. I know exactly what I look yeah, wait, like. Wait, I was just shooting shots. My bad. Okay, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I know exactly what I look like too. To, no. So I'm when people saying, tag like, me in pictures on Instagram, I'm like that. That is not me. You're like, like that's not even me. Thank God that's know. not in my grid. Like you've never seen you me. in real life. You've only seen like reflections of yourself that's so, or pictures. Damn, of this shit is the matrix. That's we trippy. must be going deep. Yeah, right. It's crazy. That's like acid. That's actually really crazy to think about. Yeah. You've never you've seen, never seen yourself. yourself. No. You've never seen your face. Have you Ever. guys been doing psychedelics? <laughs> hey, I didn't know there was a whole movement to legalize psychedelics. Yo. I've never taken it. White people gonna get everything. White people gonna get shrooms legalized. And then I'm. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> when shrooms get legalized, I, maybe I'll try one. <laughs> Until then, no. But like, if they legalize cocaine, I ain't never trying that shit. No. Listen, oh, <laughs> let me let me tell y'all. So I went to Duke undergrad. It's a predominantly white school, and not only is it a predominantly white school, it's like a predominantly like rich white people school. So. During the time when I was in college, the school like party like a white boy came out. Mm. When I tell you there is a different level to college partying when you feel very secure in your whiteness and yeah. in the fact that like no matter what you do, like you're going to be fine mm. yeah. because there was just a level that like us black kids like could not, would not turn. We like, we listen, we, that listen we, we ain't cracking that ceiling. That. We ain't doing it. Right. Um. Anyway, let's get into the podcast because we're going to be out here. Nah, you straight. But no, you're so, like, this is the kind of stuff we talk about. Like, you're so right. I remember like being at OU and, you know, I, I had like a couple white roommates and they would be like, yeah, you know, we were like doing this drug or this drug. And I'm like, that's what y'all be doing? Like, the most I would see is, like, weed. I'm like, but y'all are, like, snorting cocaine off the table? Right. To it this day, It don't just be white people, still. though. It really don't just be white people. Well, it wasn't my I, school. It we wasn't in my that. scene. You went to Duke, though. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying that black folks never party but I, but the majority of us it was weed it was not and you, you had, had to have money there. to do drugs because right, i mean cocaine 
Nah, yeah. niggas is doing it, bro. Like I was you t- talking about today. No, we're well, talking about t- we're talking about in, college right. teenagers. Come I'm, on now. But I went to college a little bit after you guys. You went so. to Capital, right? All right, but still, like I I had friends at other schools and whatnot. Yeah, and they were doing cocaine. Like I was surprised too. I didn't know black people did cocaine. Yeah, listen, I, li- I, don't I didn't know. know. But think I about it. Like these. I went to school in 2010. You feel me? That's like Kid Cudi and Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, that was a whole. That was. Wait, I did you start in 2010? Yeah, I went to. Okay, I was graduating in 2010. That's so what I'm saying. Have, it's a little and I graduated in 09, so that right. was what I was gonna say. So that I wasn't like these, like I missed this these transitional <clears throat> Negroes, these cocaine. Like, we bro, missed that, that emo rap. Y'all weren't right. doing. Yeah, lean, we weren't there. No, no, nobody yeah. we weren't lean, there. No, that's what I'm saying. Right. That sounds no. like a dietary supplement. No. I don't even understand what's happening. But lean was the drug of choice. Like it was weed, and then lean was right behind it. I don't Never, even know. I would what see. Lean is. I would is see people for real. Yeah, I would oh, see shit. people from yeah. home doing lean, but I never saw anybody at like at my school actually. That that just wasn't like part of that era. Of, I got a of, story. Of I don't know college. if I can tell it on the podcast, but fuck right. it, right? <laughs> this can be edited out. Nah, we shall see. Nah. Um. I was at a Halloween party. If I'm shot to Halloween coming up. Hey. I, was, I was at a Halloween L-U. party and I was a freshman in college. And so I knew what jungle juice was. So there was a, a mm. bottle of Sprite. It was purple. You know what I'm saying? I thought it was just jungle juice. And so I poured a tall glass of it. Watch the Throne had just came out. I remember. And like, I felt like I was walking in a, a slow motion video. You know, it, it like it really felt that way. And I was so like, you got oh. high on lean. Yeah, well, I've done heroin before. What? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. And Sprite. Yeah. Well, Y'all that's what you mix listen. it with. Damn. First of all, I've never heard of anything called lean. So you already know like, you out here. Wow. Like never? today, like like to date. Like to we just day. talked to what like lean was. We just. You're still teaching me Soros in this house moment. No, hold on, bro. <laughs> in this moment, you're not about to tell me you don't know what lean is, bro. Do you no, listen like, to rap? What? Do you listen to Little Wayne? Do you know who Weezy F is? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, and have been to concerts with his struggling behind. But with the double he has, cup, he, y'all, y'all both phone? have. That's what's going yeah. on. Listen, Damn it! But y'all both have locks. Can you explain to me why Lil Wayne only has like two locks left? <laughs> like, what is uh, his regimen? Because he's a not. Trump supporter. <laughs> You know, he what sold is, his, uh, his, his hair, hair to the devil. He done, and, he done sold his edges to the devil. That's yeah. it. That thing's holding on by a thread. And I'm like, sir, you keep dying on me? You got the nerve um, to dye it blonde? How like, dare you? So, These locks what? out here running from this peroxide. Right. To and all they're of running our from listeners. your scalp. And you just still, like, got them hanging still, on. You still out here. You still out here. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. We be talking. So, back in the day, I used to be a blogger. And I remember... Um, writing this blog post one time that was talking about like, you know, lessons you can learn from mediocre white men and just, and we actually have a card that we pass out at Zora's house that says, carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. I just told my niece that today. Hey, listen, uh, shout out. That's a word of wisdom. But you know, this whole idea of just like audacity, like that is the thing that I really take away from, you know, to get serious for a second about when we talk about things like patriarchy and white supremacy, and those are really big terms. 
But what it comes down to in real life is that some people who have been taught over and over that like their life and their worth and their humanity matters, they come up with this level of audacity mm-hmm. that like continues to reinforce itself in their behavior in a number of ways. So let's take, for example, Little Wayne and his scalp. Um, he has a level of audacity right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I was wondering how you going to bring this back. What he can and cannot do to these locks. And it just continues on. I'm like, sir, why? He's is starting it this to way? act like a white man because some of the stuff he says, I'm posing with Trump and all that stuff he was doing. That's where his audacity is coming from. Yo, I have a really, I got a real controversial view on that. But before we do that, oh, I do. Snap. Yeah, we should introduce our guests because right, we have gone on <laughs> a long tangent. No, but it's okay though. Like, even when we were setting up the equipment, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun podcast episode. Like, you just are emanating, radiating energy in. So, and y'all have to know while we're talking about emanating and radiating energy, like eight thirty is usually my bedtime. So it's eight thirty nine. As we I record. know, that's it. We this is so we have house wine. after dark, this and we got wine. some wine going yeah. on. So this is no lean, no lean no, though. No which lean. Is, so do not get it twisted. This there is, is midnight love hours. No you too young lean. for that on BET. Who's yeah. too young? <laughs> do you remember that show? Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> You know one that said you started college in 2010. I'm All just right. saying. See, this is what I get for being vulnerable, <laughs> for telling right. you guys the truth about myself. You out myself. here bringing like, the toddlers to the what? session. The right. toddler. Wow. Right. <laughs> your, your bedtime need to be 830. That's, I'm a grown-ass man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what we're not about to do. <laughs> Listen, y'all. These laughing people, it's us, and we have Elsie from Zora's house here. Hi, Elsie. What's up, you guys? We have a clapping sound effect. I don't know which one it is. Drop one okay, we'll just That's try one, and we'll see. I'm going to try it. Let's see. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we don't yes. get this one. We're recording right. in the studio, we're, so. We're recording, actually, on location at Zora's house. Yeah, let me tell y'all the story about how they wanted me to drive out to Reynoldsburg at 8 p.m. On a weeknight. It's lit. I and I was time. literally like... It's for the culture, man. No. I That's was like, crazy. listen, Columbus can't wait, but Reynoldsburg can. So y'all <laughs> 100% come, come to, to me. Zora's house and listen. we will make this happen. And now we're about to have everybody be like, hey, can you come to my house and record me? Hey, listen, this was a special... <laughs> request inami most people don't get this so right also this is a legitimate co-working space so unless you own a co-working space you can't get in on the on the um on location see situation. or you can become a That's member a, of Zora's house. house if you you're could, a woman if you're a woman, woman of, of color, color. Yeah, and if you a man and you listening, you could sponsor a member. You can still sponsor. Oh, I could do that. Like, listen, that's lit. Got myself a sponsor. Remember that song? No, you know what? we're not going to do this. Marie. We're not going <laughs> to age jokes. This whole Tear Marie and Soldier Boy. That's that was that wait, hold up, Tear Marie and Soldier Boy. Yeah, and um, it was Tear Marie, Soldier Boy, and um, Gucci Man. Jesus, it, the song goes. It's Gucci Man's another lean addict. Yeah, well, he, was. he got off lean. Well, he's a yeah. dad now. Before, he's a dad now. Before yeah. the ice cream cone. Oh, my bad. Gucci man is close to your soul. My fault. No, he's just, I've just watched his transformation. You see how she jumped to defend him? His, wow. You I've watched what? the man's transformation. He went from killing somebody to being like all holistic, like vegan and everything. Although, to he, be fair, <laughs> to start, you're pretty much at the bottom once you kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you can't, where else can you go except for us? There's really no oh, place to go but up, but I really. This is you valid. Documenting, you know, just I'm just I trying to give that man this. some <laughs> some Jesus. words of encouragement. 
You don't have to kill. <laughs> like, don't gotta stay kill. this way. Listen, PSA, PSA to the people. You ain't gotta kill. That's a low oh, bar. That is the lowest okay? bar. The lowest of the low. I feel yeah. like you could get lower. Mm. Okay, let's From not. Killer? Let's not. Mm. Let's not get lower. Okay. Okay. It can't get lower. Oh my goodness. Oh boy. Sorry. Okay. My bad guys. This this got dark. <laughs> this got so got dark. All quiet in my here. fault. It was like, yeah. oh, I feel like, like I said something wrong. <laughs> and I feel like he was about to tell us about a personal experience. Right. That's the other thing. I'm like, we're not prepared for that level of vulnerability. So I just wanted right. to say, like, and I can't afford a lawyer for you. We so literally did no not set any show. safe space guidelines, so you should no, pack some of that like, right back in. Don't admit no shit on this show. Do not do it. I don't want you to go out like that. I'm not lower than a killer. Let me put that out there. Let me just clarify. Let me dispel all the myths. <laughs> Zora's house does not have the type of liability insurance to cover that situation. No, so you no. just <laughs> so so guys, we are seriously <laughs> at Zora's house. Twelve minutes in, um, yeah, we're here for a serious interview. Believe it or not, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell, but Sheesh. we're excited to have the founder here. What is your actual title? Yeah, the founder of Zora's House, founder and CEO. That is my wow. actual title. We're sitting with a celebrity executive officer. I'm definitely not even a celebrity, but right before this, y'all, we were talking about how easily one can cancel a celebrity. So even if I was. I'm not even trying to be associated. I want to be one of these lowly people that nobody cares about. That no one can cancel. I ain't trying to be canceled. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to live my life. I'm I ain't trying, trying to be a killer. I'm, I'm just trying to live right. my best life. I'm not That's trying it. to do any of those I, things. I don't want to do lean. I just, I just want to wake up, <clears throat> empower women of color, drink wine, and go to bed. Yes. Somebody, because being canceled is on par with a killer at this point in society. Well, we said it's that. Like, there were things lower par. than being a killer. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so, Elsie, tell us... A little bit about yourself. Like, what do you want the people to <laughs> know said, about what? you? <laughs> right. Okay. All right. We just jumping right in. She said, I was born. I was born on, on a dark Thursday. and steamy night in January. It was not dark or steamy. <laughs> that sounds like the beginning um, of um, the coldest winter ever. I remember the first time uh, I, bug, I bust out my mom's. Oh, uh, that's not beep. too young for you? My bad. No. First that of all, that was the 90s, first of all. came in the 90s. Could you read then? What are you talking <laughs> about? Y'all were talking about something else. The coldest winter ever, the book. The book, oh, my I sister I thought y'all were talking about the Kanye West song. My bad. Oh, oh my, my bad. gosh. <laughs> Just tell first us about all, the cold day when you were born. Excuse yourself. <laughs> Malcolm is now discredited for the remainder of this, this interview. The remaining. I no can't remaining. even deal with you. Because you know the coldest winter ever. So we have a library here at Zora's house that is all women and non-binary people of color so all of the titles and the coldest winter ever is prominently featured in our library because Period. classic let's go every black girl every black girl well has read the coldest winter listen ever i learned things yeah <clears throat> i learned things from that book that i was not prepared to know yes i was introduced to to certain ideas about certain things that probably helped my you know my development Development in certain areas. It's a good way to put it. <laughs> but I'll say, Elsie, is that like I'm I feel really privileged to be a part of this conversation right here. Honestly, I've been like, oh, I don't know if this is really my place and everything, because I'm a man and everything, right? But I've heard so much about Zora's house and I always just hear about it like in conversation or oh that was over at Zora's house or oh I'm working at Zora's house now. And I haven't always known exactly what it was, except I knew that it wasn't for me. And I was like, all right, it's cool that it's not for me. I'm glad that a space exists for, you know, mm -hmm. 
But for anybody that doesn't know what Zora's house is, like, let me give y'all the details. Please. So, as you all mentioned, my name is Elsie Johnson. I'm the founder and CEO of Zora's House. Although, um, depending on how reckless this interview gets, I may have them strike my name from the record. We're still <laughs> unsure. I don't think that's um, how it works. <laughs> Not sure that's Sorry. how any of this works. You know, I'm a fundraiser. I know what to do. <laughs> right. Listen, edit you know out. what editing looks like. <laughs> um, so for those of you who are not familiar, Zora's House is a co-working space and leadership incubator created by and for women of color. I like to talk about our space and our work as um, essentially just a safe space for women of color to come and make connections, to dream, to rest, to recharge, um, to work, to be productive, to move forward, um, to grow in whatever ways are meaningful to them. So oftentimes when people hear the word co-working space, they think very specifically about, oh, y'all must like, you know, just build businesses or just work with entrepreneurs. Um, but in fact, we have so many um, writers, that's probably how Malcolm knows of us, artists, poets, activists, um, lots of folks who come through this space because there are actually so few spaces that are particularly dedicated for women of color to come and be supported in their biggest and largest and most authentic dreams. And that's really what Zora's House is all about. That was amazing. It's like you've done this before. You know, it's almost like I've uh, given this pitch a time or two. That was was awesome. I mean, and it was like really inspiring. Yeah. I knew everything you just said. Like, and like he said, like I've heard about Zora's house for a long time, um, supported Zora's house. I never have had a chance to actually come here. So I am in here because I said we're recording here and it is just like a beautiful, it is calming, welcoming. I mean, it smells good in here. It's it got does smell all good. the things going on. It has a library, all it of has the things, a, uh, like a backyard space. It's There's just beautiful. Bathrooms. Yes. Bathrooms. I, mean, I, I yep. would hope. Okay. Basic amenities. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, and to see it like, also where it is, I think it's really um, impactful because it is near um, Ohio State's been campus. Here? No. So the story behind this is that, um, so I'm going to have to take y'all back a little bit. Please. So I actually moved to Columbus in 2015. Mm. I moved here with my husband. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all going to have to edit that out. <laughs> So I actually moved to Columbus in 2015. I moved here with my husband and we were joking uh, beforehand that so many of the transplants that I have met in Columbus either come here for school or work or because they met somebody that they eventually married. And I was definitely the latter. Um, So we moved here in 2015 and you know i we were recently married we were living in my in-laws basement um and you know my whole thought when i came here was i i had come off of a few years of being self-employed i used to be a blogger writer writing about like women of color and leadership um so when i came here i told my husband i was like you know what i'm done with entrepreneurship i just feel like i need a little bit of a break like i just want to chill for a little bit And so, you know, my whole focus was like, well, let me just come here and just like immerse myself in this new place, like make some friends, all of this kind of stuff that I had not done um, as much as I wanted to the previous few years because I was just hustling so hard. 
So I came here and I was just like, all right, grown up friends, here I am. Come find me. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if y'all have tried to make friends as an adult recently, but that shit is real awkward. Like (laughs) it really is strange because going to some place, you know, there are so many cool events and stuff that happen, but typically you go with a friend or whatever. It's not like you could just go like strike up a conversation with some person and be like, Hey, like, so do you want to meet up and like be friends later? Can I get your number? Like what's, you know, it just, it's hard to do. Elsie, I don't know where my friends came from. Cause Listen, I moved, <laughs> I ain't got I moved no here in 2010 and I don't know where these people cropped up <laughs> from because it was hard. And it was like, I was like failing at it. So then I was kind of like, uh, let me just go back into my hole, like into my grassy knoll and like not worry about making friends. So today I don't know where any of those people came from. Listen, so stranger, I she out thousand. here not knowing where you randos even originated. <laughs> I'm grateful for them. But like you said, it's really hard and it's awkward to like meet people as as an adult. I mean, it's like one of those things I feel like isn't really talked about. Like there's a lot of stuff when people talk about adulting or growing up and doing this and that. And and I feel like making friends in a new place is just like you're not in school. So you don't have a class with somebody like no icebreakers. That's right. It's no like icebreakers. If you don't have a job where you are meeting people who are cool, your coworkers or whatever, like just how the hell are you supposed to meet friends? So, you know, I I um, was really looking for, at that time, not only, like, that friendship connection, but Sheldon and I, my husband and I, were thinking about starting a family. Like, I was trying to figure out what was next for me career-wise. And to be honest, like, I just wanted to find some relationships that could really like hold space for me while I was going through those types of transitions. And I really wanted to be around other women of color. Like for me, there is something about being in the presence of other women of color that like-minded or even just like, like experience. Like I don't have to explain every single aspect to another black woman who's a mother about the complexities of like mothering while black. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. of course I Mm -hmm. have other friends who Mm -hmm. are, non-women of color who are mothers, but there are certain things about my identity as a black woman that come into how I mother my children. When I'm thinking about my black children, when I'm, you know, we look at these little like things with Paw Patrol and this and that, and my son out here looking at the little police dog and being like, I love police. And I'm like, all right, bro, man, let's sit down and have, like I have a different level of thought around how my son engages with these little, all these little things that say the police are my friend and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Then another mother who does not have to think about that level of complexity. Right. And so I'm saying this, you're like nodding your head, like, yep, girl, I get it. But I wanted to be in relationship with people who, would nod their head when I say that or that I didn't even have to say it to because they already got it. It's a no, it's you know, a it's like a, it's, you already know what it is. And so having those relationships with women of color was really important to me and, you know, trying to find a space to really connect with other women of color and that space didn't really exist. So that's where the idea for Zora's house really came about. Um, so then to fast forward a little bit, you know, Zora's house started off uh, when I first told my husband, I was like, hey, so uh, remember how I said I was completely done with entrepreneurship and like didn't want to do that anymore? JK, LOL. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely want to um, start this business for women of color. And, you know, one night I went to bed and I like had this dream that I was in this really dope space and it was just like all these other really cool women. I was like laughing and just the vibe, like the energy was so good. And, you know, 
I am not the person who's like, oh, you know, I had a dream about it. And then like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And like the moonbeams like shone down on me. Like that's, that's really not. <laughs> so that ain't me. That ain't me, boo. I have my friends who but, are like that. Right. If that's what happened, though, then ain't you one of those people? Shit. I mean, <laughs> he done hit you with another one, too, because you're excommunicated. I don't even know I just how got you here. got back like, into the conversation. Just, you have literally not even redeemed yourself from the Winter Soldier comment. Right. Just you. drink your wine. <laughs> Right. The coldest winter so, ever. Right. You st- he still. You know, we going to move. We going to move on. So, wait. So, yes, what you were saying about. That's uh, my fault. <laughs> I've done nothing. I was just asking questions. You said that you had the dream. She said she That's had true. a dream. Yeah. But you know, Malcolm is right. Now I am one of those people, I guess. Yeah. I'm a person who has a dream about the things that they're going to do. And then do it. And then I woke up and I was like, I have to do this. Like, I have to like, I have to have this space needs to exist. Mm. And so, you know, I remember approaching my husband and, you know, just really (laughs) being really nervous about approaching him because he is so supportive. And he knew from the time that we met, I've always been just very non-traditional in my career. And so he knew from the time that we met that like, this is very me. But I had literally just made the biggest deal about how I was so over entrepreneurship and I just didn't want to do it. And so now all of a sudden I was like, yeah, so actually I want to do something way more intense than anything I've ever done. Open up a physical location. He was like, wait, what? Um, And so ultimately what we decided to do together is um, we had thought about we were in the process of looking for our first house. We had thought about getting some sort of income property. So like we were going to buy maybe a duplex and live on one side and then rent out the other side. We were just trying to figure out how we can go into our life with minimal debt and really thinking about how we can kind of build our financial future the way that we wanted it. And so I was kind of like, look, I know that we have been talking about these income properties, but what if instead of an income property, we bought something, my business rented out like half of it, and then it could be more of like a live work type Mm. situation. And so he was very much like, um, the whole point of an income property is to make income, not to rent out to your broke ass business that (laughs) can't pay us any rent. So He was coming with these facts. Mm -hmm. Um, We love facts. All of the facts. So many facts. Um, So how did you... (laughs) So how did you convince him? So, I mean, the biggest thing was that I told him, I was like, listen. So, number one, I told him that I was not going to put our family in our financial future in jeopardy. So I was not going to leave my job or do anything like that. Like I would get a job to help us develop this, you know, property or figure out what we were going to do. And that, you know, I would continue to work until such a, at at a full-time salary job until such a time as like I could, you know, transition to maybe working at Zora's house. And the other thing that was the big convincer is that we were thinking about starting a family. And I was like, this is going to take a lot. I'm going to be working we're trying to start a family, like having these two things like close enough together is going to make sense for us. And so ultimately, like, you know, he he got on board and um, my husband is very much like once he gets on board, like he's all in. this thing is on, on board, board. <laughs> like he's on board. So he was like, you know, so at that point, what ended up happening was we were looking for houses that we thought might work 
for Zora's house and our house. And we were just really coming up short. And we were, it was such a frustrating search. There was like a lot, you know, we, there was just a lot going on. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so eventually in 2016, we became aware through my husband's job that there were some vacant lots going up for sale in the Wyland Park neighborhood, which is where we are now. It's a it's a predominantly black neighborhood um, that is, you know, north of downtown, south of campus. And there were some vacant lots going on for sale and they were going through an RFP process because the community organization was selling the lots. They wanted people who were going to actually build and live in the neighborhood. And so we approached them to purchase one of the lots. It was the first time I ever really wrote down anything about Zora's house because we had to tell them, like, this is what we were trying to do. And so I, like, wrote it down. I was, like, so nervous. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, because once we settled on it, and at first we were very – I was really nervous about building. Like, I thought mm. we were going to buy something and renovate it. Mm. And so when it got to the point of, like, buying a vacant lot, usually I am the one in my marriage with, like, the big crazy ideas. And it was my husband who was like, so, look, there are some vacant lots. And I was like, bro – we're not building a house. We watch house hunters, not house builders. Like we are not house building people. Um, and he was just like, we should just go look. And then we found this lot that was like perfect. And so then I was like so nervous about getting it. And eventually we were able to acquire the lot. Um, and, you know, we just set about building. We decided to build for those of you who have never been to Zora's house. There is a structure, um, a regular house facing the the um, summit street which is where we're located kind of like a larger house and in the back there's like a two-car garage and like a carriage house over the garage mm -hmm. so zora's house <clears throat> is in the main house we live in the back carriage house um and you know the funny story is that we actually broke ground on zora's house the day my son was born wow. so it was wow. just crazy like the symbolism is so yeah. crazy because it's like giving birth to like two different babies at one time at once. yeah wow. it was wow. just like wild Powerful. yeah it was yeah. crazy where did you get yeah. the name zora so named after zora nell hurston i know her that's <laughs> That was one it. of my names I had for my daughter. Yeah, me too. I had to, did you really? No, it was Zion, oh. but it's close. No. Z. 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 Wow. I was going to say, I was wow. waiting to say that on this show, that was one of the names I had for Justice. Her name's Justice. Oh, I love that name. Yeah, thank you. That's so pretty. I'm not going to so, tell you my Zora, daughter's name in case you don't like it. Love it. I, I, I'm going to love it already. You might not, though. It's Avery Indigo. <gasps> I do like that. Oh. All right, cool. Is that is that one one name nah, or is that first and first middle? First middle, yeah. Oh, I love Indigo too. Yeah, I like the so whole pretty. thing. I think you guys did good. Yeah, yeah, that was on me. Rolls <laughs> out the That's all you. Shout out to Could have been Zion Indigo, but I that doesn't roll as so I can sing to it. Oh yes, that's okay. Okay, we understood where you were going with it. Wow, I'm being shamed. Am I singing? <laughs> Never. That was he actually, tries I thought to sing every show. That was wonderful. Every Zora's show house. he tries to get his singing off, and every time it's like me and then the, whoever the guest is. Like no, they're like thing. sitting Just there because everybody yeah. can't sing like Tariya can sing. Like she wants to shame me. That's crazy. I'm not shaming you. But you know what? My grandma used to always say. She said everybody sounds good while singing about Jesus. So Period. That's just you. Just missed the joy of my heart. You, it's you, in Jesus. That's it. See, that, I heard that key. But the you remember Lord growing up, key. he did. And remember growing up, 
when um, people would go on Apollo and they would sing a church song, they would never boo those people. But they'd be like horrible, <laughs> but they would never get booed. So you it's just like a black Jesus. thing. Ain't nobody going to do right. that. Nobody's booing Jesus. That's crazy. So, so now you know that's your trick. Yeah. <laughs> For the next time, just get your gospel up. I'm going to just add Jesus into every song. That's you know I mean? literally, yeah. you just, should do I ain't that saying anyway. I'm a gold digger, but. I ain't messing with no broke Jesus. <laughs> you feel me? Hold <laughs> up, can Jesus be broke like what? on principle? I mean, Jesus was actively broke. No, like his entire Never mind. Mm-hmm. What Jesus are we talking about? Are we, we talking about, about when Jesus dark, was the carpenter real. on earth? Or are we talking about Jesus in heaven with many mansions? What Jesus are we talking about? See, we're um, about so to go somewhere dark. Named after Zora Neale Hurston. We're just going to bring it back real quick. We're just going to bring it back. That's hey, it. she's good at this. That's man. all we're going to do. Yes. We're just going to bring it right back. Yes. Um, I cannot wait to hear this interview and whether any of this gets edited. Probably nah. all of this should get edited. It's not going to. This is going to be one long beep. <laughs> this is all bleeped out. It's just going to be one long bleep and then be like, thank you for coming thank on you. the podcast. <laughs> thank you for being here. So wait, so of all the authors, because like I am obviously a Zora Neale Hurston fan, but I'm also like a Toni Morrison oh, fan. Oh, yes. Like, Mama Toni. You know, so why did you choose Zora? So I love Zora Neale Hurston, but the thing that I really um, admire about Zora Neale Hurston is that Zora Neale Hurston was a writer. She was an anthropologist um, who wrote during the Harlem Renaissance. And she was just a very, if you've ever read her life story, very non-traditional. You know, she she had, um, I love one of her friends described her as having the gift of walking into hearts, you know, and she, she was just this incredibly bold imaginative um, woman who traveled. Um, and one of the things I really love about her work is that um, during a time, the Harlem Renaissance in particular, when respectability in art was was really praised. So this was during a time when a lot of black artists were encouraged to only tell stories of blackness that had that showed us as extremely educated and classy and all these different things as mm-hmm. a way of promoting the idea that black people were fully human. Right. Um, and so Zora Neale Hurston really bucked that trend. She she wrote about um, she wrote in dialects. She wrote about Southerners. She wrote about women who drank and had sex and and you know swore, were who were normal <laughs> people. And yes. she made their life into art and I thought there was something so powerful about both her as an individual and also the ways that she celebrated womanhood and the fullness of it Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other part of her story that was really interesting to me is that Zora Neale Hurston actually died penniless in an unmarked grave despite all of the contributions that she had made to the literary scene during her time but like many black women at that time her work was not really valued the way that it should have been she wasn't paid the way that she should have been and so when she died there was nobody there to take care of her anything like that and so alice walker in um you know, in uh, uh, the 1970s, actually rediscovered her work. And um, while teaching a class at Barnard, actually wrote an essay called In Search of Zora Neale Hurston. And it brought Zora Neale Hurston back into kind of like our modern lexicon around authors Mm. who had contributed. So this idea of just one woman of color bringing another woman of color into the light um, and really kind of like lifting as we climb is just like such a, um, yeah, 
it's just such a vibe. Like that's well, exactly like what Zora's house is yeah, all about. I was so. gonna say it feels like it's the cornerstone of the work that you're you're uh, trying to do here and accomplishing here. I think one of my questions that I really want to know is how do you feel? I, I know there's been conversation for a long time about Columbus not being the safest place for Black people. Mm. We know if Columbus is not. Um, the safest place for black people and it's definitely not safe for black women. How do you feel like um, Zora's house contributes to safety and like creating a safe space for black women and women of color? I mean, I think that's a really good question. And, and it makes me think about, you know, who I am as the founder of Zora's house, but also, you know, a mother to a black son and a black daughter, a wife to a black husband, um, you know, a daughter-in-law, a friend, you know, all of these multifaceted identities that I hold that make me think about how safe this city is or is not for myself and the people that I love. And um, it's a really hard question. It's a hard thing to navigate. When I think about Zora's house, I've had people say, actually a mentor of mine say like she doesn't believe in, she doesn't really believe in safe spaces, but she believes in brave spaces. And I love that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's about the fact that like for many of us, like, you know, the spaces that we create for ourselves and each other because they still exist within, you know, a society that is patriarchal and capitalist and capitalist and supremacist, Mm -hmm. right? That like, even as we create these quote unquote safe spaces for ourselves, we still exist within a larger society that is very unsafe to who we are. And so for us then to create space where we celebrate each other and love on each other and commune with each other, that's brave. Yeah. That's a brave space. And so I, I love that idea. And it was funny, Malcolm, you were saying earlier about, um, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here because, like, I'm a dude. Like, Facts. I really know. don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Like, and it's and we get that all the time. People will be like, oh, like, I'm a white woman or, like, I'm a man. Like, can I come? And so one thing that I always say to folks is that, um, you know, not all the – our programming and our space centers women of color very intentionally. But so often, you know, the space or our programs are open to non-women of color. And, in fact, we think it's really important when white women – and men come and practice being in a space that doesn't center them Mm -hmm. because so often men are moving through spaces that are based on male identity that have had men moving through those spaces for generation. Right. And like white women are used to being, you know, what is referred to as women in this country. Right. Mm -hmm. You talk about women, you're talking about white women. women, Um, And so just thinking about what does it look like for y'all to practice moving through spaces that do not center you. And, you know, I, um, I love that about Zora's house. We had a board member say um, one time that like one of the things she loves or what made her want to join the board was that she was like, you know, I think Zora's house is the first place I've ever been where a white man asked if it was okay for him to come in. And I was like, that shit is powerful, right? Like that's a brave space because you're creating something really special. That's a given, right? That's That's right. Every every place else, right? It's like I belong. I I belong and I own everything and Mm -hmm. own everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? And so, anywho, that's kind of how I think about like safe spaces, brave spaces, and just kind of like what we're trying to do here at Zora's house. I really love that. I love the phrase brave spaces because I do think that's true. Like anywhere where we're choosing to come together 
when you think about it anywhere where there's a lot of black people, there's a threat of violence being enacted upon us. Yeah. And so we, and we still say, we'll do it anyway. Like we want to be together so much that we'll do it anyway. And that is like powerful. I think that the way that you framed it is also really powerful because that's something that I don't want to say I struggle with, um, but something I think about all the time is, you know, because I am cisgender, I'm heterosexual, I'm a man, um, I live in America. I mean, I'm black, so there's that. There's but, that detail. <laughs> but there's a lot of privilege that I still enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's like, how do how do I, uh, you know, make, I don't want to say make space, but like get out the way, you know, for other like more marginalized communities and people and whatnot acknowledging um, you're in the way first it's like a big yeah step it's like i know that talking about like acknowledging my my privilege is important and and then also being an advocate you know in rooms where i have more inherent power but like beyond that it's like what else can i do and i think that what you said like you know participating in spaces where it's not centered around me where I'm not the one that's being catered to intentionally, like it's not an accident. It's like, no, you are not the priority here. Like explicitly, you're not the priority. You can participate, like you can join, be witness maybe, but you're not the priority. That's something I never thought about, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting. One of the things that we say here at Zora's house is that, you know, uh, men and white women are welcome at Zora's house, but you're visitors. Women of color, you're home. So that is wow. the difference where it's like, this is home for you. You know, other folks, you visiting, you can, you should act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not your space. It's just space that you are, you know, a guest, you know, to the space. And, you know, just, it, it is really interesting to me. I remember, so I actually, um, my degree is in women's studies, which I uh-huh. definitely did not intend to study. <laughs> um, so I got to college and it just so happened I was in this um Everybody does this little pre-college programs and things like that. So whatever, I got into this program where my schedule was set. Three out of my four classes were set. And the way it was, I had classes on, all my classes were on Tuesday and Thursday. So I had to only pick one more class. And it was like, if I can pick another class that's on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm about to have Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, like no classes. Like this is it. So there happened to be a an intro to women to gender studies or something that was open. I was like, boom, we out here. So I ended up just kind of by accident in this class. And what was so fascinating and how I ended up ultimately majoring in women's studies is because all my life I grew up, my parents are like super black. Like they, <laughs> you know, they like used to tell us all the like black stories. Like we had all the black history in our house. Like they would color our dolls black. Black Santa. <laughs> Listen, we had black Santa. We even tried Kwanzaa one time. That didn't work out, but like we tried it. Yeah, you know, Huey Newton on the mantle so, and whatnot. Right, we yeah. gave it the good, God, you know, like the good house. try. <laughs> this is my uh, daughter in 20 years. We can do Kwanzaa this year, man. <laughs> Let's do Kwanzaa. Oh, That's right. Yeah. We do a Kwanzaa Kwanzaa podcast. We talked about this is the second time we talked about Columbus Kwanzaa. Columbus can't wait Kwanzaa. Like, Listen, yep. right, we're recording. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready. They done, we're doing they it special episodes. Special yeah. episodes. Yeah. That's Zora's house. What? Yeah. Did I get involved <laughs> in this? Yeah, like, wait a minute. Now, why come am I back, in bro. it? <laughs> Damn it. Out here can't volunteer <laughs> nothing. So, you know, we grew up just like so rooted in 
in who we were as black people. And so it was really interesting to me for college to be the first time that I ever really thought, wait a minute, I'm not just a black person. Like I'm a black woman Mm -hmm. and there is something else here that is worthy of exploration, a whole identity that is meaningful and has all these nuances and its own history. And I was just really pulled in by that. You know, like I, I was so interested in that. And I think over the years, it's just really helped to inform a lot of the work that I do. But to your point, Malcolm, about just kind of like being a black man and having all these privileges, I think one of the things that um, I had a mentor like say to me one time um, around how you can really tell that there's still so much, you know, patriarchy within these um, racial equity movements, especially in spaces uh, that are supposed to center blackness, but oftentimes like they center the black male identity first and foremost. And, you know, black women still show up in spades, right? If it, if, because it's kind of this idea of like, if it, if it impacts like black masculinity, it impacts all of us. But Mm. if there are things that only impact black women, then, you know, black men aren't showing up in the same way. And Mm so, um, one of my, my, um, mentors are just talking about how like, you know, these examples of like how, oftentimes like black men are not even aware nonetheless like especially not advocates for things that are only impacting black women or primarily impacting black women and so recently there has been all of this and it it has been brought to my attention again because there's been so much coverage about these different like abortion bans and reproductive rights things and you see all of these women who also black women who organize because we are so heavily impacted by a lot of these reproductive rights issues um and it it primarily impacts marginalized communities and women of color and so you see all these black women who are organizing for racial justice now also having to organize around these reproductive rights and like where are black men right right? but like we are there no matter if it's something that predominantly impacts black men we are there because it's a black issue but if it's something even something like that where you say oh that's a women's issue but if it's predominantly impacting black women how is that not a black issue issue. Right. right But it doesn't translate. And that's where I started to really understand some of the nuances around racial equity, gender equity. And when you talk about intersectionality, because so often, like, even within those racial equity spaces, those are still masculine oriented spaces that's in terms facts. of those identities. That's right? so facts, man. Like, no matter where you go, like, in black spaces, we always talk about the black man being, you know, the forefront of everything. Like, it's centered on us, no matter what. It's always centered on us. Well, so. I feel like the conversation is always. It. I always hear the the conversation is around like we can't thrive without like black men being in like this certain space. There's I never think- like a. There's never like a conversation about us thriving with like black men and black women, um, and you know people that are non-binary. Like we. They get left out of the conversation too. All together, right? right? All together. They're left out the conversation all together. I think that part of it though, like especially when it comes to non binary, is an education thing. You know, one of well, um, yeah. Yeah. One of uh, the members of my friend, you know, they just came out as non binary. And that was a whole education process for me. Mm -hmm. Like even just now, like Mm -hmm. the way I was describing them, I I was about to say one of the bros was like, I don't know if that's like the, the most appropriate way of, of even right. describing it now. Right. And I think that there's a population of people that 
are willing to be proactive in doing the work, but there's also a population of people who may not be proactive, but also wouldn't be resistant. It's just they, they don't have the education in front of them. They're not looking it out for it, but if they saw it and they came across it, it's like, I didn't know that. Now that I do know it, then I'm going to move accordingly with it. Yeah, no, you know I, mean? I definitely think education is a big piece, but I also think that there's a lot of fear involved. A lot of fear. A, a subject like that, like gender is so like entrenched in people's minds, like the that there is a binary, that there is but, men and then there is women. And so, you know, that's a hard concept for people to even let. There's a there's a fear in like letting that idea, I the do. idea about gender go. So I think it's it's education, but I also think some of it is to fear. I, I do 100 <clears throat> percent agree that is the fact that gender is entrenched. But I think that it's a human thing to be afraid of something being different than what you've always known. Oh, sure. Yeah. And no, I, I mean, like gender, that's something that we've known for the entirety of our existence. So, well, in, some people, fair. some cultures, fair. and I was about to say, because some cultures the other don't thing, have, right. There are, there, you know, I think sometimes when we have this idea of kind of like what we know, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. some things we've known. So being intentional, say the things we've been taught, right? Because when you say you've been taught, you understand there's an intentionality and the yeah. people who are doing the teaching have reasons and they ideas stock and thoughts and the reasons why um, they are doing the teaching. And so one of the things that's been really interesting to me now I'm about to like nerd out, but oh, you, you know, potting, bro. Go ahead. Listen, I got, uh -huh. I, I see uh, Malcolm out here with his Crocs on. He got Facts. all types of nerdy shit on his Crocs. Uh -huh. about to, so I know, right. You, you already know. What listen, what I got, to. I got Grey Goo on my Crocs too. I don't have them on right now, but I got him on mine. Boss mm, flagging, um, but it's cool. I thought we was gang gang. Listen, uh -huh. I'm sorry. My bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Um, I got but, <laughs> twice, but you know whatever. <laughs> okay, all right. This is what we doing. I'm saying what we doing. Okay, nah, I got proof too. That's <laughs> hater. That's crazy. Um, I was just gonna say one thing though, like what you said about reproductive rights and like even abortion. Like you can say that you know this is what we've been taught about abortion, but like people been having abortions for centuries. Like this is not a new thing, and so these ideas that like we keep fighting about, a lot of them are not new at all. Like they're they're very, very, very old, ancient ideas that different cultures have have and have not even adopted. They are just part of their culture. But so the thing go is, ahead. Sorry. Oh, my bad. I was about to respond to that, so I won't. So, well, I'll just say this because I want to nerd out real quick in terms of something that has been really just helping me get into a different headspace around some of these ideas. So for me, um, I am, I love to read. So I'm a huge nerd. I love nerd. books, like just love it. And for the last few years, I just feel like I have not really been reading that much. Like I've just been, there's been so much else going on and whatever, what have you. And then I think in the previous few years, a lot of the books that I've been reading are like you know, them, I, I, they ain't even books. They're tomes. I be mm -hmm. reading these black feminist freaking mm -hmm. tomes. I got to call it. Listen, it's literally just a word, like an old school word for a book that's just big and heavy. Mm -hmm. Like, see, y'all ain't, y'all nerds out here know what a tome is, but that's okay. I don't it's know like, what yes, that is. more wine. Thank you. Um, so the point is, like, I've been reading just like these real, like, serious freaking 
social justice manuals and like all this real deep shit or whatever. And I think that's part of the reason why I stopped reading because I was just exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, So this year I turned 33 in January and I decided that I wanted to read at least 33 books this year. And um, I was having a hard time starting until I was just like, you know what? I'm not even about to read any, I'm not reading any freaking nonfiction this year. I'm only reading fiction. And I happen to love, I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. I love, um, historical books, like all of that in fiction. But the thing that's been really interesting for me this year is that I have come across so many really fantastic, like black sci-fi writers and things like that. And in there, they, they explore these They explore concepts around like race and gender, especially gender, actually, and gender identity without making it like a, you know, huge, like teachable moment, like because they're creating whole new worlds. Like that's what fantasy is. That's what sci fi is. Right. These people are like the children of Octavia. Basically. Exactly. So it's like that new school, like there was one book that I read called The Deep and it was like a novella and it was about the the premise of this book, get this, it was the idea was these mer people who had, who were the descendants of African, like pregnant African slaves who had been thrown overboard and like given birth Mm -hmm. and their, their descendants had lived and they had turned into like these like mer people basically. Mm -hmm. So they had all of these like really deep roots and connection to like African, like history and all of this kind of stuff. And it was just like crazy, but like also their concept of gender because they created this whole fucking world that doesn't (laughs) exist. They can just say something Mm, and it just is what it is. Like, and you get used to just being able to just accept what somebody says about their gender or how gender is presented in a certain society because the whole book is all sci-fi, fantasy, fiction. We have to put the book on our Patreon for people that want to read it. So, yes, you guys, I'll give you a couple book recommendations. um, But Give us five so we can have Elsie's top top five book recommendations. But not on the pod, though. Because that Black Mirror person book, that sounds like a good movie. It do. Like, that the sounds d- like a be. Doug, when I heard, I like was listening to somebody do a review and I was like the descendants of like pregnant African slaves who have been thrown overboard and still given birth to living babies who persevered. Like that shit was insane. I was like, I have got to read gotta this Gotta read it. Because right. now I gotta read it. It was, yeah, just it, so was good. So, it was so good. Okay. And it's not long. So it's like a hundred pages. So it's like, oh. like a little, it's like a novella. So oh, it's y'all like really read readers, man. Yeah, that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, triple yeah. digits. That's yeah, yeah. great. You like way more. I do like the idea pages. of reading. I should do. I should do that. Reading I a just, fiction book. I books? just had my birthday. Columbus can't wait. Book club. Right. That would be First like of all, another... Kwanzaa now book club. What's happening? It's right. lit, bro. I'm, I'm saying all you this stuff like empire, I have time okay? for this. But God listen, damn. I should do 35 <laughs> books in my 35th Are you really 35? That's crazy. That is crazy. Like, that is... That shit is crazy. I, I tried to sing happy birthday to... to her in the last podcast, but she rejected it. Did you add Jesus? I, nah, but now that right. I know the G code, Jesus... Happy birthday, <laughs> Jesus. That's like Christmas song. That is that, that is that deep Baptist... <laughs> That's my deep Baptist roots. They do all sing. my song, all my classic songs. Your sister Jesus can sing, around. though. Like, your sister's the yeah. first person that I knew that, like... I knew person that could like sing sing. This is a family trait. Yeah, facts. See, no. Yes. I also I too cannot sing. That's why you didn't you did not see <laughs> I didn't me participating. Join it. I too <laughs> cannot sing. Uh, I too. 
I too cannot sing. So just yo, let me ask here. you that. That's all right. This is a wild question, like left field. We didn't pre-produce this one, so Therese. we didn't pre-produce any of this. No, just you to didn't pre I had a few you questions I knew oh, I, that listen. I was going to ask. Okay, right, peep I'm this sorry. Stuff. Rachel Dolezal. It's Dolezal, dude. Stop. Is it? I always thought Dolezal. First of all, no, but I'm saying we're not like, even doing don't, No, 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 don't no. Don't even no. pronounce her name correctly. Rachel oh, Dolezal. even pronounce. Rachel Dolezal. No, but I'm saying though, it, like I said, it's a random question, but have you in your history of Zora's house had somebody that was like, yo, it's lit in there? I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know me? This, we're we're over. Um, episode three is done. <laughs> no, I really want to know though. Like, I'm about to sneak. Like, in have here. you had anybody that was like tried to pretend because they wanted to be part? Of, listen, if there's one thing I learned about white people is that they hate being told they can't do something. That they do not real. like that. That no. shit is real. They hate even being told they can't be oppressed. They like, no, we want that shit too. So, but honestly, listen. <laughs> But I'm honestly, saying. I don't think that somebody would impersonate being. Listen, but just hear me, hear me I out, just gave guys. Name. Can Her name is Rachel. Listen, but listen, hear me, out. hear me out. Don't I don't, think, I don't think that somebody would impersonate like trying to like infiltrate Zora's house because they hate being Zora's excluded. But cool I enough? no, I think wow. that I think that a person would try to infiltrate Zora's house because they think that is so cool and they want to be a part of it, That's not because saying. they like hate it and they want to no, like, no, 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 be not like a sabotage. But I'm saying yeah. like, have you ha have you had any like people that didn't necessarily fit the mold? I was like but I'm ten percent black. Trying, have you had grandma, anyone do ancestry.com no, and come like, back one percent? I'm one sixteen black, like you know what I'm and saying. And tried to get into so thankfully and not bring yet. you their ancestry. I hope that we results. didn't give anybody any ideas. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, right. First of all, if it happens, then I'm you gonna can be blame like, Columbus damn it, you listen to Columbus can't wait. If that happens, you're gonna be on the front of the dispatch. I'm literally gonna be like, what is happening? Undercover. I'm be what on is undercover identity? boss. Like, that's what is going on? That's gonna be the headline. So you haven't had what no is identity? imposter blacks. No. <laughs> Not that we know of thus far, but it's interesting because one of the things that we, in all seriousness, we've been working on an inclusion statement for Zora's house because when it comes to both racial and gender identity, so we say we are for women of color, but we have to really clarify that term. And one of the things we say is like, we don't determine that you do, mm -hmm. right? Because like, who am I to tell somebody who is biracial, for example, like you're your mother is white, so you're you're not a woman of color, right. what or whatever, yeah, right? And so, I like, agree. I am not going to, I am Decide not going that. to determine that for somebody. But the other reason is because, in addition to the fact that that is something that is so nuanced and fucking fake anyway, let's be honest, like race right. and gender characterizations in this country are True. so messed real. up. Yeah. Um. And so we kind of tell people like. How do you define, you know, of color? How do you define what it means to be a woman? Because we also are inclusive of trans folks and gender nonconforming folks. And so it really is for folks who feel that their identity resonates with the work that we're doing. Um, 
you know, and the other piece of it, too, is that we understand women of color, the term as being more of a term of, in some ways, political solidarity mm. um, and how this term was was originally created. So a lot of people use the term basically to describe anybody who is not a white woman. They're just like, you're non-white, so you're a woman of color. Mm -hmm. But in fact, that term was actually created by um, activists um, when they were trying to describe, you know, um, uh, they were coming together and describing some of the issues that black women were having in the 19, uh, I believe, 70s, 80s. So coming together, describing some of the issues that black women were having, creating this like blueprint for policy. And there were a lot of other activists, women of color, like Asian activists, Latina activists, um, other folks who were in that space who were really identifying with those issues as well. And so the phrase that emerged in that space was women of color, not just to identify anybody who was non-white, but to identify anyone who um, felt like they were a comrade in this kind of like shared racialized gendered like struggle so there are plenty of folks who are non-white who may not consider themselves to be a woman of color mm -hmm. right like I have um when I was in college one of my best friends Chinese American and she would not have considered herself a woman of color she would be like I'm Chinese right that's it. Like, yeah. I don't like she would have had solidarity around that identity, but she would not have necessarily considered herself a woman of color. So just because somebody is non-white, that also does not mean that they are a, a non-white woman. That doesn't mean they are a woman of color. So right. it is complex. And thankfully, yeah. we have not had any sketchy. Yeah, so any sketch this might sound like happened. a joke, but I promise I'm not joking when I'm asking it. With that criteria that you're speaking about. How do you, I want to say police or gatekeep. I don't or know another word for it. Yeah. <laughs> I meant as a verb, not a, no. No, I just, you know, it just makes me. Gatekeep is better. <laughs> like somebody um, who might, might vulturize like our, our culture, like a Sean King type. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And, and the fact of the matter is like, there isn't really a good way. Mm. It's kind of like one of those things where... Um, you know, I don't know for all the good people out here in that good, good therapy, um, such as me, black people need therapy, all the hashtags go to therapy, get you a good therapist. But, you know, one of the things I was talking about with my therapist is just around, um, you know, if you thinking about like making yourself numb to certain emotions, you cannot make yourself numb to certain emotions without numbing yourself to all emotions like if you try to damper when you're feeling angry or sad or whatever it also dampers the way that you can feel joy or fulfillment and all of these different things so like you can't kind of like shut off one valve without turning them all off and so I think for us like I all seriousness like I completely recognize that there is a chance that that could happen that yeah. somebody could say because people are so used to co-opting black culture in particular, but also other cultures like minority cultures, ethnic cultures, that there is a way in America that we become so attached to um, these individual cultures and what they bring to the table and then do not do anything to protect the actual people within those cultures right. or connect with them. And so it would not be completely insane to think that somebody might want to do that to access yeah. you know something that somebody's culture had created or something that was for with for a certain population um 
But I guess the only thing that I would say is that, you know, it would be, I would rather have that one sad perpetrator become a part of Zora's house than to ever have a, you know, biracial woman who is, you know, maybe has a black parent and a white parent come up and say like, I don't know if I can be here because like, yeah. am I, I'm not like black enough. Right. Thank yeah. You. And you're like, on a college campus. And I feel like a lot, there was a, there was a, a few biracial people that I knew when I was in college who, they had grown up in a certain kind of like household. So whether their household was all black or their household was mostly white, um, that college was their space for them to discover like who they were. And so it's kind of nice that Zora's house is so close to campus because I think that like I had one, I had one biracial friend um, in particular who she had been raised by white people. She had, didn't have a relationship with her dad and it was, it was the first time that she was able to really interface with black folks and she was able to like find that place. And so it's nice that like, I think college is a place where you get all of this awakening, right? Like you said, you were, you know, you had a family that was like very black, but you didn't necessarily understand that in relation to like being a woman. I had a similar awakening in college about a lot of different things. And so it's nice that this place is here because there's so many different kinds of women of color that are coming in here. And like you can find your people and it's so close to campus. And I think that's great because it's like I can go there and I can like really like have a place to find myself. And even what's crazy is that we've actually had, you know, we're really close to campus, but we actually have had so many grown adult women with children, mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. just now exploring that part of themselves. Yeah, or that's awesome. when we talk about just finding yourself, we have folks who, you know, we just were doing some member videos and like testimonials. We have a member who is a grandma now. And she was just saying that she found Zora's house in a time in her life when her kids had all just kind of moved out and she'd spent so much time, you know, taking care of them. She felt like she kind of like lost herself and she, you know, you know, the words that she said, she was like, you know, I found my voice again at Zora's house. And like, that was so powerful to me because as women of color and as black women in particular, um, you know, we are going to be giving birth to different aspects of ourselves for our, the entirety of our life. That doesn't mm -hmm. stop, you know, right. like when I became a mother four and a half years ago, I feel like. I had to get to know myself all over again, you know, and as my kids are getting older with every phase, I feel like I'm having to get to know myself, renegotiate who I am and right. um, how late I'll stay up to interview on a podcast. Like yeah. all of these things are, you <laughs> yeah. know, just constantly you different evolving. Contracts. Yeah, you're doing so, so good. It. This yeah. is like well past your bedtime. Right. Yeah. First of all, y'all saw me looking at y'all. Y'all can't see cause you're listening, but I was looking at my clock like, hold Listen, up now. Cause I the saw. wine is almost gone. Right. You're a natural well, wait, potter. But, you but seriously, like, yes. you're really good at this. You are. You're really good. Um, we do have one more question. Cause like you said, you are a mom. She got one more question. And I at got about, <laughs> about this time is when I start to be like, all right, like the 35 is coming out. It's, it's starting to come out. So what I want to ask is like this podcast started and is a podcast that focuses on political literacy. And so we're always talking about like the political landscape on this show. I guess what my question is, is like, how does, how does, how is the political landscape currently in Columbus, like the politicians in Columbus, do you find that it's been helpful? Do you find that like, do you feel like there's lack? What would you like to see happen that's not happening? Can you 
Can you tell us like your take on that and how you interface with them? Yeah, if I mean, all. I think that's a that's a really interesting question because Columbus is like a lot of college towns that I've lived in or you know known about in that oftentimes they can be this like kind of like more slightly more like liberal progressive hub in the midst of an otherwise pretty republican conservative state Mm -hmm. which makes for a very interesting dichotomy right it makes you feel a little bit like you're living in this bubble um and so i think that like you know i'll be completely honest that i am one of those people who you know felt like I came into my adult life being extremely political, politically illiterate, you know, like Mm -hmm. not really understanding how the hell government functioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And to the point where I literally remember, and, and if there are other folks who are listening to this and, you know, ever feeling kind of like shame or embarrassment, because as black folks, we are so impacted by many of the policies as women, um, you know, but I would say again, that, We have to look and think about, we talk about what we know, um, go back to like what we've been taught and then think about why we have been taught the way that we have, right? Like there's a, there is a particular type of complexity to our government that, um, you know, we're just kind of not really taught exactly how it works or how to make change as part of our just regular like upbringing in, in K through 12. So, you know, I remember even, um, when some things were happening with, you know, when Governor DeWine was running and, you know, I honestly like did not realize that governors are basically just like presidents of states. Yeah. Like yeah. they can like do all this <laughs> shit. Like they can mm-hmm. like just sign these yeah, executive orders. Okay, more powerful COVID. than Bro, the president in your state. They yeah. really, they really are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just had no idea that like govern, like governors were that powerful. And I mean, y'all remember when DeWine ran, it was a few years ago and I was still learning like, like, oh shit, mm-hmm. like I didn't know this person had all this power. Yeah. And even um, you know, I think understanding like when Trump became president, like, you know, of course I was completely anti-Trump becoming president, but it wasn't until he really got in there and started like undoing like so much stuff that uh Barack Obama had done that I was like, our fucking political system is insane. Like you well, just and this can be undone. Like you can right. do that. I'm like <laughs> like so I don't even know that was on the table. And be mad and just yeah. be like, that shit don't exist no more. Yes. Like so yeah. I think that like I, you know, as an individual, I'm still learning a lot more about our political systems and mm-hmm. what that looks like. I would say that as a business owner, as um, you know, somebody in the as a community leader, um you know, it's it's definitely been interesting to interact with, you know, the the politicians in this city. I have relationships with um, a lot of folks, but to be completely transparent, you know, I'm the type of, I'm from the South. Um, so I was born in New York, but raised in the South. And so and and also just because of the type of work that I do, like I'm not huge on transactional relationships. Mm -hmm. So for me, I remember the first time, you know, I met a particular politician and I really connected with them. And I was just like, yo, this was such a good conversation. Like this person's the homie. And my husband was kind of like, that person's like that with everybody. And I had to really realize like, wait a minute, like these relationships are kind of like predicated on what people want, what people need, what people can get. Um, And so it's just been really um, challenging in some ways. Um, It's been a learning experience for me and my personality um, to learn more about 
how to advocate for myself with politicians, how to have a certain level of emotional detachment um, from those relationships because they are a little bit more transactional by nature Mm -hmm. and, and just allowing that to be okay. Um, not to judge it or be like, oh, this shit sucks because, you know, but just like, it's just a different type. Um, so that's probably not like the best answer, especially for a podcast that's about, you know, that was a really good answer. Actually, um, that was a great answer because I think that I really, what resonated with me, what you said, as you said, you're, you were raised in the South. Well, I wasn't raised in the South. I was raised in Ohio, but a big bulk of my childhood, I was raised by my Southern grandparents. And so the transi- the transactional, like, oh, you have to play the game. You have to play politics. And I don't, un- I didn't understand that for a long time because I was like, why can't people just do things because it's the right thing to do. It's the hospitable thing to do. And so I had to understand like in order to, you know, further myself and further the things that I wanted to see happen in my community, I had to be willing to engage in in certain ways that I wasn't used to. And you do have to detach yourself like, okay, this is this is LC, the CEO, and this is LC, the person I have to do. I have to be this person in order to get this thing done. And then I'm going back to Elsie, the mom and the wife. And that is literally like, I think what we try to get people to understand on this podcast is that in order, we always say you either do politics or politics do you. So if you're not doing them, some shit's still going to happen to you that you're probably not going to like. So how do you, how do you, how can you be impactful and competitive in this space to get the things that you want for our communities? Yeah. And I think it also comes down to, you know, one of the things that you learn as you get a little bit older. So like Malcolm wouldn't understand this, but like for the grown folks. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. You know, for the, for, for the grown folks who are listening and uh, participating in this conversation, you know, I think that like all seriousness, like one of the things that um, I've really learned as I've gotten older is just that um, there are so many complexities in life. You know, when mm-hmm. I was younger and just used to want to think about everything as being so black and white, like, oh, we do it this way or like not at all. Right. And that like shit, that shit is not like, true, bro. Like, <laughs> you get older and you're just like, shit, ain't nothing but compromise. Right. Nothing on but compromise. You start looking at everything different. You look at your parents everything. different, everything like y'all Bruh. did do your best. Like, <laughs> It is hard out here. You know what I mean? Like everything is, everything is complex. Like it's so complicated. And you know, one of the things that we're doing is, so we um, are looking to build a new building. You know, we, we've been in this location, which we love for some time. um, But this was always meant to be a temporary location until Zora's house was large enough to get a permanent location. And you know, it's a $5 million project that we're Mm -hmm. working on to try Mm -hmm. to develop this. Right. I'm that gonna drop a bomb attack? on that shit. Nah, uh, like don't don't yeah. do the applause. Just nah, drop it was the bomb. a bomb. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. I'm gonna do is a boo. Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> don't do the Why boom. does this cost as much <laughs> capitalism? <laughs> don't do the boom. My heart can't take it. <laughs> 
Wait, um, so you're saying it's a $5 million dollar, so dollar this project. So it's a $5 million dollar project, right? And, you know, so in raising those type of dollars, like, you know, we're coming from being almost strictly grassroots funded where we're just funded by folks who look like us or who um, get it. You know, people who get the mission. Like, I don't have to explain myself. Like, we can talk about liberation and justice and these different things. And so as we've been working with some other, like, for government dollars and these different things, like, even just having to like shift my language to be able to talk about the economic development impacts and this and that and you know I I really struggled with that at first because for a long time I really prided myself on talking about Zora's house in a way of saying like you know what like it's here and it deserves to be funded because women of color deserve this because Mm. we deserve this off rip without Mm. having to produce anything without having to do anything without having to show or prove anything like we just deserve it period so give Mm. us the money Mm -hmm. like to do what we need to do right and and um in a large sense for for the first couple years of our organization that's basically what we said like Mm -hmm. this is 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 hard earned um space and and resources for women of color Mm -hmm. right and never and just saying like you know we're not gonna we're not gonna out here like be like oh the only way we deserve this money is if we produce xyz or women of color do this or just kind of like lessening our mission to just strictly focus on certain things and so in the last year as i've had to you know really approach some of these larger funders there are there's a heavier focus on you know economic development and using you know low to moderate income which we serve many we serve women across a variety of of socioeconomic status so like you right. might get somebody who's a vp at nationwide and you gave, may get somebody who's working at kroger like all coming mm-hmm. to sunday dinner and like having a conversation right and that's part of the magic of zora's house and what makes it so special and because of that we do not in our language or even how we talk to funders really break people down by like saying like oh low to moderate income this percentage xyz we know who the like what our percentages are but like that's not how we categorize people right Mm -hmm. but you know having to be more forthcoming with like those type of things that aren't really within our values for how we categorize just being like damn i mean i want the money and i want the building but like again it's just really about um there's a whole conversation we can have about why philanthropy needs to change and why there are barriers and, and who gets money and who doesn't because Dog. of exactly what you're talking about. No, we, ain't having we don't even have enough night. time to Season talk about Season five that. coming soon. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I I feel everything that you're saying. And um, and then some. And then some, right. I, I'm really like, this, is, this has been one of the best interviews we've had it wasn't even an interview it was a conversation yo this was conversation yes people be saying podcast interviews about to be conversation then they be the most stilted conversation i'd be like this conversation would have been over this is weird right like this is awkward that's not what you get when you come on ccw for better or for worse yeah that is not what you are going to receive so if you want to come on the podcast and you know they you save wanna, your jokes all right <laughs> i want to hear no you want to have a good saying? time this is the podcast to come to so this was such a good conversation you, you guys are amazing i'm so grateful that you invited me to be on the podcast and just the opportunity to share space with y'all and all jokes aside this is important conversations that you're facilitating so thank you for allowing me to be a part of it 
No, thank, thank you. Thank you for, for coming and dealing with Malcolm. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's because I'm a man. Our, That's crazy. It's our cross to bear. That's our, right. You're just going to bear my cross. You just met me here and you're bearing my cross we already. We done talked about God, gospel songs, crosses, everything. I wasn't expecting, not this close to Halloween. Listen, it's because we all grew up in church. Gosh, right. Yeah, saying black right. spaces for real. Jesus need to take the entire take wheel. The wheel. Nah, Where but for real it? though, I'm going to um, be sending some people over this way yeah like, please do yeah, now that and i know more about it like if people want to donate to zora's house into your capital, or sponsor a membership or sp- sponsor membership yeah. donate towards the capital campaign how do they do that a capital campaign y'all's up for building that's it y'all so um if you want to learn more about zora's house um or donate to us you can go to zorashouse.com z-o-r-a-s house.com um, and you'll be able to learn more about how to donate, how to sponsor a membership. We have not um, publicly announced. We have announced our capital campaign, but oh, we have not. St- listen, I mean, I'm the one who brought it up, um, but you will be finding more information. You can sign up for more information about the capital campaign um, when we share more in about probably about like three to four months. So this is the other thing. And I'll say this like super quick. Maybe we'll have like a part two about like fundraising for community initiatives and things like that. Another episode. Season four. Yeah, coming soon. season four. Season four. Um, but what's so interesting is just that like, we're in the process of raising these funds um, and, you know, being an organization that is a black led organization in this community that centers women of color is relatively young, has been grassroots funded up to this far. So y'all listening may not know like how unusual it is for an organization like us to be raising the type of funds that we are trying to raise right now. And because of that, you know, we are doing things in a really different way. So it's been really interesting because we've engaged with a consultant that's helping us with our strategy and things like that. And we're constantly having to just completely reshape how they think about campaign strategy because typically in a capital campaign let's say you want to raise five million dollars you don't actually publicly start talking about the campaign like in real talk like on something like this until you already have four million in the bank Mm -hmm. so like the bulk of a capital campaign you do it like silently a long part of it is the silent phase yeah like it's it's all quiet it's all silent and i was just like listen we don't do that here like this Uh this needs to be our community needs to know about what we're trying to do that's not what you do with the church building listen we've been you put that that thing on the on the the wall that thermometer (laughs) right you You put that thermometer on the wall and paint it and um put your marker in there red and when the money comes in everybody knows how much money ain't no quiet phase that's it ain't no quiet Phase, that thermometer been there right period so anyway i just say all that to say you know um, more information about that coming soon because just like everything else we're gonna be doing it zora's house style so a little bit different than what you're used to all right well we're so excited and thank you so much elsie all right this is great beyond great thanks for letting me be here <laughs> you're welcome anytime and i welcome. mean that One more time for Zora's house. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Columbus Can't Wait, y'all. And before we go, we want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territory of hundreds of different indigenous tribes and nations, including the Hopewell, Adena, Miami, Shawanwaki, Shawnee, and Kaskaskia. 
Indigenous people are still here, and we want to acknowledge that we are on their land and recording this podcast. Have a good night, y'all.